Hey everybody, my name is Alec, and this is Lunchbox Radio. Now, before we get into the podcast proper, I wanted to remind you that the news show is back on, very much so, and is... The most recent episode came out literally the day before this is released, meaning the day I'm recording this, on Wednesday at 6.30 in the morning. The previous news episode dropped late because there was a snafu in my in my platform of choice which is anchor um but i know the newest episode uh, the newest news episode of lunchbox new of lunchbox weekly news is out now so definitely go check that out there's some really fun stories in there but um if you haven't listened to that or you haven't listened to the most pre- to the most recent thursday episode which is the episode like this where I talk about a singular show. I talked about the very controversial, but also very popular, um, Jobless Reincarnation, the most recent, like, piece of Jobless Reincarnation. Since they're doing a, like, part... Since they're doing a season and part kind of release schedule. And if I had to guess why they're doing that, they're probably doing that for quality, and they are doing that to kind of cut it, make clean cuts at different arcs. Now, before, now after that, what we're, let's jump into what we're talking about today, and that is a little show from 2001 from, um, from Matt, from, among others, Madhouse, which didn't surprise me based on the quality of the show, MAPPA, and, um, I think it's, um, the Madhouse and Mappa are the animation studios that made this thing. And it feels a lot like a... It, fe- it feels of the same quality that Mappa had become known for, but Madhouse had always been known for. And without further ado, this show is called Tact Opt Destiny. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Anime considered. Lunchbox Radio. Now, for those of you who don't know, one of the reasons why I do this podcast is because I really love watching anime. And But, unfortunately, I am wired in such an odd way that I oftentimes watch something and my brain, and my brain goes burr and I love it. And then I just don't watch the rest of it. For whatever reason, I, I like peter out and just don't watch it. Can never explain it. My favorite example of this is, and if you have been listening to this podcast for a while, you know I'm a 
disabled, I'm a disabled person, I am a biracial person, and in on all in all ways I am the kind of person who would love that um Daredevil that live action Daredevil show that um Netflix did. I just didn't watch that show. I watched part of it and then never went back. And I, eventually I sat down and I watched the whole thing and I loved it. But it took me like, it was like three years in between there. It was super weird. And by the end of that show I was like, why did I not watch it? Oh wait, the same reason Alex never watched it. Stopped watching lots of things. Because it just, it loses me at some point. It doesn't mean that I don't think it's a genuinely good show. It doesn't have merit. But it loses me. And I have a quality that I love to see in shows. And that is when a show makes you pay attention. When it makes you want to watch it. And it doesn't direct, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like dragging you to watch it. It feels like it's holding your head and being like, watch me. Watch me now. And the first episode of Tacked Off Destiny does a really excellent job at doing this. And f until I want to say episode, let's call it 10. Um, by the way, spoiler alert for all of Tacked Off at Destiny. It's a 12 episode um, anime. You can go watch it right now on Crunchyroll. Dubbed. So you really have no, you really have no excuse. All 12 episodes are up. Dubbed. You can just watch it. It's it's actually beautiful. Like, the reason you go watch it is it's beautiful. They pull off... It, and the thing that got me to watch it was this thing is gorgeous. And they pull off some tricky character archetypes in terms of character design that you don't usually get... That you... Like, you don't usually get right. So, like, the character named Titan and Titan is essentially what if Hasune Miku but instead of primarily blue hair she has primarily orange hair and it like ombres down to like a blue and then almost a yellow at the very tips and she's got the like she's got the twin tails although they're arranged differently on her head so it feels less like a direct reference but she's essentially a, a Hasune Miku like of a character and you look at her and you're like this shouldn't work but ultimately the show makes it work and then then the show takes a step further when she like freaking goes on an emotion she goes on an emotional and physical violent rampage and she just takes her hair out of the twin out of the twin tail and it's just like long and you see the full effect of it and like she had become the problem, and it's a, it's a, that's a great scene later. I think it's in, like, episode maybe 8 or eight, 9 or 10, but the... So, this show grabs you with this look. It grabs you with a really excellent first episode. With a really excellent first episode where you're given next to no context. You, you're given a little, like, cutesy story at the beginning, and then you're just dropped into this town where 
it's eerily quiet. It, and and okay, so let's start with the first thing that will become a point of oddity in this show. This show takes place not just in America, not just somewhere in America, but like all across, like across the United States, from maybe the middle of the country to New York City. It's like the it's like the span of the main character in this show's journey. And you meet a character, you meet a character, you see this character who you later find out is a guy named Tak, Tak Ashihina, walk, walk up to this old abandoned piano. And you realize this is, did this piano left in this, this piano under this big, like, this abandoned piano under this big, what you would assume would be like a public performance space. But it seems like it hasn't been touched for years. And you're also, see, and you're also seeing that there's this farm, essentially a farmer's market going on. And it seems like this is a perfect I, ideal scenario in like an American setting. We hear somebody like strumming on a guitar in the background. But the, this show, this show uses music really cleverly because it it's about music and the presence of music and the absence of music on one level. On another level, it's about a whole different thing. But on the surface level, they, what they present to you is a scenario in which there would normally be music, but there's not. And Tak just starts playing the piano. He starts playing really, really, really beautifully. And then big old fuzzy monsters show up. And all of a sudden, his arm bursts into rose petals. And the second, the female lead of the show shows up. A character named Destiny. And Destiny just destroys these things. And that's when they kind of give you the feel of, oh, she's what's called a music art, he's called a conductor, this is how it goes, and the conductors fight these things called D2s, and the music arts are live to fight these things called D2s, and the music are, and the D2s are born from like a space meteor, and the, that's like darkness incarnate, and the music arts are born from a different kind of space meteor that's like light incarnate. And they're both activated in different ways by music. Music arts are born from kind of the soulful joy of music and can use and use and it's part of what drives them and the thing that torments the D2s, the big monsters, is just the sound of music. Like the more it pleases the ear to a human, the more like terrible it is to D2. So they seek out and destroy anything that creates music and, you know, anything in the, in the, in those things past. And you spend an entire episode with these two fucking weirdos with what, with what at this point you're led to believe is just the most neurodivergent fucking couple you've ever seen in your life just deep feelings for each other but no understanding of like how to express that or like what that fucking means 
and they they fight together and she calls him maestro and he called her a fucking moron all the time and then the fight's over and all of a sudden this woman like the first supporting character or third main character but first supporting character named Anna shows up in a in a you know kind of like cool slightly 1950s cruiser car and she's like what the fuck are you doing why did you play music in the middle of a town you moron you know what that means you know that called monster to places like and destiny is is at this point really robotic she's like it's fine i beat them i was always going to beat them and he's like i don't care get in the car and then one of the best fucking pieces of physical comedy I've seen in anime in a while proceeds to happen. This small girl picks up her partner, her picks up Tack out of the ground because he's falling off the roof of a building and just like pancaked and made a like and made a him shaped impression in the ground. She picks him up by the arm swing him all the way up and then catches him and j- javelin shoots him into the back seat of the car 10 out of 10 no no great fucking physical comedy just immediate abuse and just insane physical prowess for really the purpose of just a fun gag and then you're kind of off to races and the rest of it is them clearing out, it's them going to a diner and clearing out um, D2s from a nearby power plant where they've like, fed, harvested, where they've like, nested and festered. And then you move on to the second episode. And the second episode is where you find out that the, neuro di- the most neurodivergent couple in anime wasn't always this. It was... Tact, who you later find out is kind of deep, is deeply traumatized with some real PSD issues because of a tragedy in his past. And all he really knows how to do or wants to do is play the piano. And he loves playing the piano and he's exceptional at it. And But all he really does is sit in his garage, sit in his fa- his found family's garage, and play the fucking piano. No, like he eats only because it's ne- only because necessary to live and keep playing the piano. He sleeps probably on the piano bench. Like that's how like singularly minded he is. And Destiny, but Destiny's nowhere to be seen. You, Anna's there at some point. Anna's in there. But there's this other character who looks like Destiny, but she's has blonde hair, has normal blonde hair, not like platinum white hair, and it's clearly not like a being that's capable of destroying monsters. And she's this she's this childhood friend of Tack and the young to Tack and like obviously obviously interested in him, obviously like singularly focused on him in a romantic way, and Tack is focus similarly on her even though he doesn't recognize it but she's also Anna's sister and Anna 
And they make a point here of saying in the castlet, Tack's last name is Ashihina, and that comes off a bunch of times in the anime. But Anna and Cosette's last name is Schneider. And you find out that music had to leave the world, that humanity left music behind because it was summoning these big monsters called the D2s, and there were, but, but a class of people called conductors rose up to be kind of a military force called the Symphonica, where conductors working work in concert with work in concert both literally and figuratively with these being called music arts. What destiny is in the first episode? And the, the music arts are generally awakened by being a person who has potential to be a music art, and they go to New York, they go to the New York Symphonica, which is like the a hybrid of the New York Symphonic Orchestra and a military industrial complex, just like scooped, just like ice cream scooped on top of it. It's really what it is, and what it feels like, and what it should feel like. And, the, and people who have the potential to become music artists, the show only ever shows them, only ever shows women being music artists, by the way. And there's a reason for that, we'll get to that in a second. Because it's important to how I feel about this show. Um, but, you find out that they left music behind, and maybe a little bit too early, Tak's father tried to throw a concert for the world, essentially. He tried, he tried so hard, he tried to give the gift of music and the joy of music to people. And, there was, and, and I'll, get, I'll get to why I'm not making this about what the show kind of is having a conversation about in a second, but at this point, the show is having a conversation about like art and the value of art and what it would take for humanity to entirely abandon art, essentially. To abandon like an artistic pursuit altogether. It would take the threat of annihilation. Because that's essentially what you what you feel. And but it's been four years since the last major D two attack and the Symphonica has this has it pretty locked down at this point. Had like like if a D two shows up, generally speaking, nobody nobody gets hurt. The Symphonica shows up and just deals with it. Just deals with it. It's fine. It's like it's the equivalent of having like it's the equivalent of having. Uh, so I live in the mountains. Um, occasionally, bears show up. It's the equivalent of having a bear outside of your house. Like, you could call the cops, or the bear will move on, or, like, something will happen. But as long as you're not, like, staring down the bear, you're good. And that's the way they kind of set it up. Like, this is just another piece of, like, nature fucking with humanity at this point. It's the equivalent of, like, bears show up. Bears show up when you leave food. D2s show up when you, like, leave a music box run when you leave the stereo on outside, in the car outside. Like, it, it, it just happens. It become less of a, it's become less of a, like, a war, 
and more of a like pest control problem. It's what you're led to believe. And but just to be safe, the Symphonica is is like bringing this traveling party around to kind of every town in America to be like, hey, it's cool. Maybe don't like go playing Jock Jam Five out your window, but like if we show up. You can just have a good time. Don't fucking worry about it. It'll be fine. We got all these super ha- super powered women with us to murder the monsters that show up. If they even show up. And, uh, like, the entire, to- the entire time... And the story is really setting you up at this point for what happens next. But the entire time, everybody's like, Oh, the Symphonica endorsed this. This'll be fine. And Cosette at this point, it's like, oh, Tuck, you have to play piano. You have, you have to perform at this thing. And he's like, what do you mean? I don't think I'm good enough for that. And she's like, oh, no, you're good enough. And even as like, yeah, you're good enough. Trust us. And, and I'm, I'm drawing this out for a reason, for the effects, for really the effect that the show gives as well. Because I think the effect is well earned and well played in this show. And... At this point, you fully realize, like, oh, this is not destiny. This is definitely a flashback. It's a flashback. How did this... Your brain is thinking, how did this girl become the girl who is massacring monsters and, like, had a robotic affect in, um, in the first episode? And so they're like, okay, and... Destiny goes goes to goes goes kind of like to the town to say, "Hey, can talk play in the like in the like uh, local section?" And the town's like, "No." And then they and then um, Cosette goes above the town and is like, "Hey, Symphonica, can he play?" And the Symphonica is like, "Yeah, he can play. <laughs> that sounds rad, my my girl." And uh, essentially, they say, "Absolutely." But what you and, you... and you realize later that there's a key character who probably said yes. In that moment. Um, but what... Ends up happening is Top ends up doing a live performance. And it's going really, 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 really beautifully well. And then all of a fucking sudden... Boom giant D2 monster. And it's not just like there, it's fucking shit up. It it essentially kills both Tak and Cosette in that moment. It killed both main characters at that moment. And because Tak is or it kills Cosette at that moment. And Tak is like what 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 is is in shock He's begging Cosette to stay awake. She can't. And then all of a sudden, she's, wear- she's wearing a necklace the entire time. And the necklace, she says, is like one of those fancy stones that's supposed to react to music. And the entire... For most of the concert, it's slightly glowing. And then by this time, it's like it's like a beacon light on her, on her chest. And then all of a sudden, you see this ghost of someone who looks like... Cosette, and she opens her mouth and bites. 
and Tox's right arm bursts into flower petals. Gone. And at this point, Cosette is also gone. And replaced with Destiny. And for... I want to say two-thirds of this show. Both Top and Destiny Dola's sister, Anna, really aren't dealing with the fact that their sister, that Talk's like, childhood friend and his crush, and Anna's youngest sister, Anna's younger sister, is just, is dead, is gone, is, is no more, is replaced with this separate person, with this separate being named Destiny. And Destiny is a music art, except what I told you before is still true. Music art are of like a very carefully controlled resource almost by the Symphonica. If you are someone who has potential, when it comes time, probably like when you're 18, you're kind of, you're most likely asked, strongly asked, like, hey, you have the potential of like fight for the world. Would you like to do that? We can, like, and you're given a, probably a bunch of shit. You're probably given a bunch of money and, like, a lifestyle and all this stuff. And you go to the Symphonica, the New York Symphonica, and you become a music art. You you basically get what they call tuned into being a music art. And you, you awaken. And a character named Titan, the little character I mentioned before, describes the process as essentially... A full body, uh, essentially a body snatching scenario, where like who you were is fully swapped out for the music art you become, which should give you a slight hint of how fucked up this world is. <laughs> should give you like a slight nightmare. Like uh, all the what that essentially means is that all the music art just rolling around are. Occupying bodies of people who were, which means, that, and Titan straight up said, like, I used to be a little girl, <laughs> and it's horrifying, and it's like horrifying for a second, but that is supposed to make you understand what happened to Cosette. Cosette is gone. Cosette is no more, and some a lot of this show becomes about top wishing that the person in front of him, the person who clearly still cares about him in her own way and has kind of had transferred onto her Cosette's feelings of, of love and affection and, and, like, also has additional feelings of, like, intense servitude. It's no longer the, like, childhood friend who used to show up and unceremoniously vacuum his... His, his garage while he was in it trying to play piano and he used to bicker with is now a totally different person and that's a really interesting theme of this show and it, go, it goes on for like I said about two thirds of the show and the last third of the show is both Anna and Tak both Straight up say to Destiny, like, we haven't been fair to you. <laughs> like, you've, you've been doing your fucking best here. And we've been real assholes about this. 
we're going to start calling you by your name. We're going to start acknowledging that you as a person you are. And that's a real touching moment for both you, the viewer, and Destiny. Because even Destiny understands, and she's asked questions about, uh, and she's asked questions about Cosette at this point. That, like, she doesn't know who this Cosette person was. But she understands she is in Cosette's body, and it is deeply upsetting the two people she kind she care, she deeply cares about. Because they deeply cared for Cosette. And once that happens, it's where this show kind of veers off the rails a little bit. So, I don't necessarily want to say that this is a red flag. But if you ever look up a anime in, in um, my anime list, and I, I don't recommend using anime, using like my anime list for much other than like cataloging and like just raw information. But if you look up an anime on my anime list and it says that its source material was mixed media, what does that mean? That means that it was one of a bunch of a of a ton of projects now that was an attempt at kind of like global media entertainment domination. And if you want to know the best way that this turns out, look at something like Pokemon. Pokemon has all the pillars. It has anime, it has tons of video games, it has all kinds of stuff. It has mobile games, it has an AR game, Pokemon Go. That's a mixed, that's what you would refer to as a mixed media project. Another, much smaller scale one, but still fairly successful for its time, was or is Dot .hack. The Dot .hack universe is vaster than you realize. I've talked about Dot .hack sign, uh, about Dot .hack liminality on this very show. You can go check it out in the podcast feed when you have a second. But, generally speaking, mixed media projects either go really well or not so well because the, the it's clear what was the true source material of this idea of the tact ops universe so to speak was a mobile game called tact ops symphony and you look at it and it's a very it's a very fate grand order like it's it's one of those. It's summon hu- it's summon pretty ladies to fight for you. And they use the music metaphors for when you tap on a monster for, say, in this in the video I found's case, destiny to attack. It's a little it's a little conductor's wand. It's a little conductor's um, wand, and that's the kind of like visual language of the game. But the visual language could be anything. But it is based around classical music, hence, you know, all, all the music, like, all the music, um, jargon kind of weaved in and out through the anime, and I'm not giving it flack for that. What I am giving it flack for is it doesn't... Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. 
Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It almost doesn't know what to do with a lot of its emotional manipulation. The core emotional manipulation of for the first two-thirds of the series, for, for the better part of the series, of these two characters who are now essentially going on a road trip to see if their friend is still inside of the body of the of her old body or if they or if this new person who is currently in the body in that body is there to stay and they are just they are full on and the show makes real good points of saying this they are full on in denial that like they refuse to call her destiny like they refuse to call her destiny um Anna insists that Destiny call her Big Sith, like she's still her family, and it's just like, it's this pretty like fucked up scenario that's deeply emotionally scarring for everybody involved, because on one end you have Destiny, who it seems largely did not choose to show up. And you find out later that, like, Coset kind of forced this to happen because if Coset didn't become a music art, she would just die. She would just die. And you find out later that the way she became a music art by, like, forcing it is most likely, and the show doesn't say this, most likely the way music arts were originally born, which is forming a direct contract with her with her conductor and feeding off of him directly. And in the show, you notice that no other music artists do this. They are all kind of their own beings. They're all kind of their own person. Yes, some of them do latch on to either one specific conductor or another or a core idea but for the most part they are their own being um uh, another music guy you meet later on valkyrie is is never revealed to have a conductor she's just kind of a free agent who is employed by the symphonica wherever she's needed and you see a bunch in the like very last in like the very last like 10 to 12 group group of three episodes who are just like out there like they don't have conductors they're just like Fighting the good fight. But what you're... Uh, the kind of... The, a few exceptions to that. Although the... Main exception to that... The main two exceptions of that to that are... Destiny. Who seems like she's almost... Clearly bound... To her conductor. She calls him... Calls him Maestro as... Um most music artists call conductors but like it's not like she's called anyone maestro it's like he he is her maestro he like that's a per that a permanence there like if he died 
she would no longer serve other people. Like, it just not... It, it, she would not. And... The other, uh, the other exception is Titan. And Titan's Mike Joe is a guy named Lenny. And later on, you find out Lenny's deal. And you find out that, like, Titan was assigned to Lenny. And they bonded so hard that basically, like, they'll ride, they'll ride or die permanently. Permanently. Like, one of them may go and the, one of them may die and the other might go on. But once one of them is gone, the other one not fighting anymore just done just done and the show makes it pretty clear like even if that means like the other one death if one dies and the, the other stops fighting no matter what mm -mm, just done and they they very clearly are just kind of doing their own thing they very clearly have been given orders that they are fucking ignoring which is great and Lenny's a great Lenny's a pretty good character. Even if he's a little bit of a big old strong gay guy stereotype. But, um, and I'm not even gonna say that he's gay, I'm gonna more say that he's probably just very flamboyantly straight. If that makes any sense. But, the. Long and short of it is, is you get the sense that Destiny is probably the original way that. Destiny came to be the original way that music arts were kind of born. By forming like a, essentially a blood contract with their conductor. And, so, but like, if that wasn't her, that wasn't Destiny's choice. Like, Cosette forced the issue so at least some of her could still be a, by tax size. For the, on into the future. And then you... So you have her just kind of like... Being... Being dealt with but not acknowledged. Like they call her Cosette for a long time. They call... They like treat her like... Like what's wrong with you? You have her just kind of being... Just not acknowledged for who she is. In that moment. And then on the other end, you have these two characters who are deeply traumatized. Also both deeply traumatized twice over. That, to be clear, like deeply traumatized twice over because you're led to believe that everybody in this scenario is, has been alive for the last time the monsters showed up and killed everybody because somebody played a note on a piano. And in Tak's case, he understands that really well because it happened to him and it happened to his father. It happened to his parents. You, it's, his mother is never really mentioned, but it clearly happened to his father in front of his eyes. Like, he is, he is a big old ball of PTSD. And now they're kind of re-traumatized because it happened again. Tax feels like it's his fault. Anna probably feels like it's her fault because she facilitated she moved the piano from the garage for God's sakes. And it they're now traveling with like the results of that. The very negative results 
of essentially the bo- the body snatched body of their of his childhood friend and love interest and her little sis- her actual little sister and holy shit is that a lot and and, and even Lenny is like fuck this is a little when he initially meets them it's like I gotta help these kids because and you find out later that he like it's out of like a blood debt to Tox's father who he kind of apprenticed under and became friends with um but also he's like fuck these kids have it goddamn rough Titan we gotta stick around for a while they need help bad and he does help them and teaches them how to fight and how to like be a pair and how to be a pair and like feed and like properly work with each other and the whole thing. But at after the point at which they kind of like accept that Destiny is who she is now and that Cosette is is gone after they accept that and they do it pretty subtly and you, you, if you're paying attention you, you catch it. You realize that they're not call, that all of a sudden they're not calling her Cosette anymore. They're not calling her Destiny, but they're not calling her Cosette. And then a little bit later, they both say, like, I'm going to call you by your real name. <laughs> I was like, I've... I, this has been really hard for me, but I realize that you're a person too. And you deserve personhood. And you deserve to be acknowledged as being alive. We're going to stop being shitheads about this. And at this point... You've met this shady character named Schindler, and Schindler is a, is the is the executive commander of the Symphonica, and they're trans they're transporting this big evil rock, the big evil rock that essentially creates D twos across the country, and they bump into, and at some point they like I think like episode five they bump into Schindler, and you meet definitely you meet Valkyrie. But that's also when you meet this character named Hell, who's a music art, who you're told is Schindler's music art. Like, the, Valkyrie says, Hell is Schindler's music art. She's not going to move unless he's in danger, because they're dealing with, like, some D2s attacking from the sky, and attacking the transport train from the sky. And then they part ways, and Schindler gets, like, a bug in his bonnet, and it's trying to, and this is where, this is where the cracks of the show start. Because this is the first piece of world building that seems off. And the reason why I think that this seems off is because... Because this is a mixed media project, quote-unquote. Because the core thing is a video game. It doesn't have a great base. And I'm not saying that video games can't make great anime. Um, you know, Cyberpunk... And I'll come back to Cyberpunk Edgerunners in this a little later, but Cyberpunk Edgerunners made a fantastic video game. Made, made, was a fantastic anime that revived the game it was tied in with. It was a part of a mixed-media project that did what it was supposed to do. The reason why I don't think Tax Off Destiny did was because it didn't... It didn't commit to its bit sufficiently. 
It didn't, it, like, the, the strength of his writing wasn't there. It didn't, like, it didn't pull off the trick. Because at, after the point at which you see, at which you meet Schindler, everything becomes a little bit too convenient. Everything becomes a little bit too connected. And you have a character named Hell, who's very clearly sadistic. You have a character named Heaven, who's very clearly holier than now. And those are both music arts, who are actually music arts who belong to the, the character Sagan, who you only see a few brief times, but who ends up being kind of the main antagonist of the show. But what... So here's where I struggle with this, with this show, is that I, I don't think it's gonna get anything else. I don't think it's gonna get a second season. The people have looked for a second season. I don't. I haven't heard of one being announced. The reason I don't think it's gonna get a second season is because I think, I think there's a similar problem actually to um, Darling in the Franks. I think that this story picked the wrong place to get started. I think this story is interesting if you roll it back before this story. I think this universe is interesting if it's a story that's earlier in this universe's history. If it's when the D2s first started showing up. Not when the world is starting to heal and it's a, it's a quick flare-up of what that was of a tragedy that was a, of a potential disaster that was averted. I don't... Because the... It's a little bit like all the interesting stuff has happened already off-screen. And I, I understand why everybody's talked... There, there have been questions about if there's going to be a second season. Because... The way the show ends is with Anna essentially joining the Symphonica after every all the dust has settled. She talked. Destiny is gone. Destiny has like basically like turned back into a shiny object that was like a pendant that she leaves in the like now reformed hand of Toft. Toft is essentially in a coma, in a comatose state, in a um. In a, cry, in a cryo chamber, meaning he's asleep off screen. And so Anna is left to kind of like, Anna and her sister, um, I forget Anna's sister's name, and older, older sister name, and Titan are all kind of left here, just kind of with the pieces. Lenny at that point is dead. Um, Hell, Heaven, and Sagan are all dead. Schindler's in like Supermax prison. <laughs> Valkyrie is still alive somewhere, but she doesn't. She's kind of an incidental character. But Anna is so like it's like left, and what this whole story feels like it could have been is this prelude to this story they can now tell with Anna, where they can now have this like bigger overarching thing with Anna that's less that's more about dealing with whatever rot is clearly at the center of the Symphonica, because 
what you find out at by the end of the story is that the thing that killed Tak's father wasn't the D2s. It wasn't the D2s freaking out and killing everybody. It was Sagan was the head of the Symphonica. He now by the end of the by the end of the of the show he's dead. Very dead. Um like stabbed stabbed through the heart with a sword on screen dead. Um basically Shaman D2s for whatever reason and killed and killed a kid's dad. And So there's a way to do it. There's a way to do tragedy. There's a way to do tragedy where there's a where there's a survivor. And if you want a way to think about that, look at Cyberpunk Edge Runners. Cyberpunk Edge Runners is a way you talk, you tell a tragic story, and it's and it did a better job of encapsulating a tragic story in in a universe that exists, that exists outside of it. That in fact, if you play the um, cyberpunk games, you are in the universe that the cyberpunk game, you are in the universe that cyberpunk Edgerunner takes place in, but isn't the main focus of. And you're led to believe that you're not even the main focus. You're just another story that's told in this big fucked up city as a, like that functions as kind of like a big fishbowl for these stories. And it, that takes that gives both the video game and Cyberpunk Edge Runners this anthology effect. That if this if this property was smart enough and was lucky enough to get a second season, I feel like you would get that effect. You would, they would have to do something like that. Like it, this is a this is a this is like a long stretch. I. I, I thought about this when everybody was freaking out and said, like, Cyberpunk Edge Runner needs to get another season. Like, how would that even happen? And what I thought was, and this is still a thing that could totally happen, is Cyberpunk, it's a cyber, it's Cyberpunk 2077, if they wanted to make a second season of Edge Runners, would essentially become like a anthology. The, the series would become like an anthology. The first was this tragic story. The second could be a totally different story. The third could be another totally different story. And they could intersect at places and diverge largely in most places, but you would be able to treat it in that way. And this is really tricky to do because each time you need to make characters would you become so attached to that you don't care if the other characters aren't there. And so you'd have to have these character, these moments where almost like a passing of the torch, where like one or two characters give the story, give the viewer over, visually and story-wise, to another set of characters. One of the ways, one of the best ways you see this happen, is in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. In every section of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, there is one holdover character from the previous section. In Diamonds Unbreakable, the holdover character in Diamonds Unbreakable is Jotaro from, um, from the Desert One, from 
the big one that most people like. Um, from Stardust Crusade, from JoJo Stardust Crusader, JoJo, Jotaro Kujo, just, co- just goes to Maburo, is a char- is a side character in that story. And then later, th- and then later in part five, what's his face? Uh, a main one of the main characters from Diamond is Unbreakable, go- one- goes to Italy. Not um. Not uh, not the main character, but like the main support character, and he's a main and he's a side character there. That's carrying the and once again in in Stone Ocean, for what it's worth, Jotaro sh- goes to the prison to see Jo see Jo see Jolene Cujo. She is like a strange daughter essentially, and. That show does a really good job of saying, like, oh, you're still in this universe. We're just gonna... Araki's just gonna have his way with a different genre of storytelling now, but don't worry. They're all here. Everybody's here. It's fine. Your old universe isn't erased. You're not crazy. And if this show is going to go on to a second season... My gut feeling is that's what it would be like. You could have you could have Anna as a conductor and Titan as her music art, or you could have a completely different music art as her, as serve serve under her. But you could also have Anna as the like mentor to a brand new conductor, and a music art who was born the same way that um that um. Destiny was born, maybe a little less severe, and you could see what that looks like. You could put, you could play the whole sad tale out from a different angle, and maybe have a happy ending. And I don't, I don't think the show is going to do that. I don't, I don't. This doesn't seem like this show is beautiful. Let me just say that straight up. It is gorgeous. It was immaculately produced. It, was, it is a gem of a thing. But from a story perspective, especially by the end, it's a miserable mess. And it's not... It's not doing the thing I said in the beginning, which is holding you, making you watch it. So, and this usually happens to me with long, with, with long shows. Usually for a short show, I, like a half season episode run I can make it but there was a point in the by the end of the 11th episode of a 12 episode run I said to myself oh I know what this is I know what they're doing here and I felt in myself this like core boredom when I was like okay I just just gotta make it through this thing let's see if I can I've been known to at the very end of some shows just cut out the middle man just I don't want to deal with the middle like I I know what the middle kind of looks like I don't need to know what it specifically looks like and while I didn't do that with this nothing happened that suggested I couldn't have and do I think the show's worth watching I, I think the music is pretty gorgeous I think that it is stunning looking 
I think it has some core flaws that aren't that keep it from being a really great show, but may make it a pretty good base level for whatever the, the property would do next in this same medium. And on that note, um, this is where I'm going to end it. But if you like this episode, new episodes of the podcast come out every Wednesday and Thursday. Wednesday episodes are news shows. They are about the news from the pat from the from the week that was before. Um, it's called I. It's called Anime News Weekly. It's hosted by a AI generated voice named I, who gives you the lowdown on five stories we think you should know about in that week. Um, you can go listen to it. It's the previous episode in the feed. They're usually about two minutes. Um, it's a story ad, story ad for like five stories and it, I'm pretty proud of it because it, uh, I wanted to do a new show because I wanted to focus on not just the same shit every other news channel focuses on because I don't have, I don't have a horse in this game. I don't have a horse in this race. I mostly just think like, you should know about say... What's the news story that was this week? Um, you should know that, say, something as simple as all the streamers have their schedules up, and here's where you go look at everything and that you might want to watch. You should know about... Like, you should know the fact that um, Nippon Television now owns... I did, I did this as a news story in the la- in, um, on the last week of September, so this has been out there for a while, that Nippon Television now owns uh, or J I think it's JTV actually JTV now owns Studio Ghibli now owns a controlling stake in Studio Ghibli and so much of that stuff is stuff that like a lot of the news channels outside of something like Anime News Network and even Anime News Network to an extent just bury in the sheer amount of press release stuff that it that is also important but isn't Earth-shaking. It's not earth-shaking that show you knew was always going to come out announces cast. Like, that. that's, that's exciting for people who are fans of that show, but that's not... It's not a huge concern for the fandom. Whereas the essentially wholesale purchase of the most famous animation, Japanese animation studio there is, it's pretty important to know about. Whether you whether you love Studio Ghibli movies or not, um, but on that note, that's really what that show is all about. It's a it's a weekly news show that gives you weekly stories, gives you five stories that I think you should pay attention to every week, and that comes out the day before this. And this show is more about a specific anime or anime property or anime related thing every week. Now, the thing I will say is I am probably going... This is probably going to change um, slightly from the 27th of December to the 16th of January because I am going to Japan. And it will be really difficult for me to watch... It'll be hilariously difficult for me to watch anime in a way I can understand it in Japanese. (laughs) Because it'll just be on. But... 
I, I think they actually block, like hardcore block Crunchyroll in Japan because reverse importing fears from all the from all the studios. But this will kind of probably turn into a travel blog. It will probably get more frequent because I'll be bumping around a bunch and I'll be able to be like, hey, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, um, and give you updates. So definitely stay tuned for that from the, once again, 27th of December to 16th of January. But um, until then, it will be the podcast as normal. And on that note, I have been Alex, and this has been Lunchbox Radio, and I will talk to you next Thursday.